Cliffcentral.com. Did you ever believe in the idea that my domestic worker is family? Um, was that first of all when you grew, grew up? Was that a a common idea or ideal? I think that it was in some homes. Okay. Um, as I say, because I had a very present mom, mm. um, and Daisy didn't have children. I keep on referring to Daisy, but actually, neither did Miriam, and neither did Bella. Strangely, so because there wasn't um, a child factor, there wasn't that inclusion of bringing the domestic worker's child into the home. Okay. Um, and so I, I personally didn't feel the family connection. Um, the domestic worker was something special. I can't quite define the role. There was security. There was somebody who was taking care of me um, and taking care of the home mm. um, and created an atmosphere in the home. It made a difference, a huge difference. It wasn't like a nothing person. Mm. I mean, the person had a very, very strong presence in the home. Mm. Um, but our family, I don't think our family confused uh, domestic workers with family. There was mm. care and kindness. Mm. It's changed a little bit now um, because Felicia has got two little girls and um, they sometimes come along to work. In no way do I ever think I'm their moms. And um, But... But I certainly would be concerned um, about Beyonce, how she's doing at school. Her reports her name Beyonce. really is Beyonce. And she's <laughs> a little it. superstar. And she has got the most lovely personality. And um, so I really know Felicia's family and she knows my family. Okay. Um, uh, she's got a new baby, Nolwazi, and Nolwazi comes with her every day. And Nolwazi is close to Lulu and Frankie, who are my little children, the Duxons, of course. Okay. Um, I think because there is this kind of um, protectiveness of my little doggies, of her kids, of there's a much more uh, caring family kind of feel. I don't confuse Felicia with family. She's got a very lovely, strong family, mm. very wonderful relationship with her parents. She's from Zimbabwe. But we know a lot about each other's family. She knows the dynamics with my parents. She knows their illnesses. I know hers. Down to her mom having asthma. Mm. Her father used to be a drinker and he's no more. He's a churchgoer. We know each other's stuff. Mm. She knows my dad has Alzheimer's and she asks me about him. And so we Really understand and care for each other okay. and try and make each other's lives okay. as easy as possible. And um, I try to make Felicia's working conditions as lovely as possible. And we call it, we've also got what we call time sharing. Felicia frees me. She gives me freedom to do my stuff in life, including mm. going on holiday. Felicia and Beyonce. Um, and Nolwazi move in And Alex is welcome But he doesn't want to That's her partner Oh okay And they come and stay And then we go on And it's time sharing Oh it's I love it sharing. <laughs> They move in And we move out and I love it So we kind of have Quite a sharing relationship Yeah Is is any of that Out of guilt? Um, Possibly mm. Possibly Um. I really love Felicia as a personality, but the reason I say possibly is because if Felicia was white uh, and had a a fair start and an equal start, she also had a 
a lousy having she was a, a refugee and had to leave Zimbabwe um and she's incredibly educated and she should have a better position than a domestic worker yeah um so also the injustices disturb me the fact that felicia for me um could really have a top job whether it be in politics although that's not saying as much as <laughs> but <laughs> as it should she's exceptional <laughs> i mean she just is such an exceptional woman she she's a nurturer she can fix anything anything that doesn't work i say feed you think you can figure it out or must i call someone in <laughs> and either she figures it out or she calls in somebody she knows and they fix it mm. for a lot less amazing than a ingenuity so yeah. so so the yes yeah. so but when you say the guilt thing I think Felicia's got a bum deal in that she's a domestic worker. Mm. She really has the capability and the personality of running an ad agency again. I don't know that I'm using the best, but she <laughs> she could be in industry, she could be in trade, she's terrific. And um and so because of that, <laughs> So wait, now we've got that politician and agency ad agency are uh, bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and when she and I have arguments, she could have been a politician. She's so smart. She's right. incredible. But I think that um it's an interesting question whether if it was a white person who had had equal opportunity. Mm. Whether I would feel I need to contribute to her kids' education and to the well-being. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just a human a human mm. or humane thing. Mm. Um or if it has got to do with a measure of guilt. I I'm not sure. Mm. I mm. think it might have to do with a with a bit of both, but I really but care now, about making people in my life happy. I'm not trying to kumbaya it, but I like people whoever comes into my home, um people at work. I'm a very one-on-one -on -one person. It's yeah. important to me that I acknowledge, and it might also be a guilt thing, even when I go to gym, I thank the lady for cleaning the showers and the floors because actually it makes my gym experience lovely. Absolutely. So I've become conscious, whereas for many years I wasn't, I've become conscious of these menial workers and tasks yeah. that give me a life of pleasantry and luxury. And I think that... I don't know what's Do you have any guilt concept of what conscientized you? Because a lot of people don't. Look, certainly in my university years and in the 80s, um, I did mix with political people. I was part of more political movements like the UDF. We had our phones tapped. Mm -hmm. Still, I wasn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ANC. What did you do? <laughs> they were so mad. They were so oh, mad. Wow. They weren't okay. doing much. The, the <laughs> women I worked with, they were all um, social workers. They were quite politicized and they were very active in power. Uh, and U UDF. I don't think I was hugely active, but I was part of the crowd. But I certainly started waking up then. Mm. That was a big wake-up time of my life. And actually at that stage, I remember, um, I don't know if it was late 80s or 90s, I had a boyfriend. He was a lawyer, and he um, was the lawyer for the Dalmas treason trialist. So, oh, wow. And he always had um, people staying in his home who were in hiding. So I certainly had a big political innings mm. uh, after really... university and post-university, which, thank God, I mean, it woke me up. And then... I just really hope it won't take that sort of exposure for someone to understand the gravity of our condition. But also, I also wonder I whether know. it's what happened was a, a kind of racial conscientization or human conscientization because 
you're saying, and I guess when we ask about guilt, mm. what you've described to me as guilt is, is more of a humane guilt, right? That comes with, um, interacting with somebody or having any kind of power relationship with somebody mm. who, um, was hard done by or was at a, a disadvantage to you. Okay. So you're saying, um, Felicia, mm. for instance, just as a human being, mm. not as a black female, but as a human being, mm. um, has been dealt a raw deal. You know, you've, you've, you've had, uh, I guess you've, you've had a head start. Mm. And so you, that's kind of where your guilt comes from. And you're saying that would apply to any human being you felt was somehow less fortunate. But I wonder. But I also benefited, I suppose. You know. So yes, this is what I I, I, I want to understand is is what level of that guilt is racial. So if it was a white woman in Felicia's exact circumstances, would you feel a similar guilt or a different guilt? I think the apartheid system fills me with endless guilt, and part of that is the domestic worker. I mean, okay. so as I've said to you before. Um, when I drive my car and I'm a single woman in a comfortable car on my own with the air con or the heater on and I look up and I see people in a bus, I want to cringe. I actually do feel yeah. uncomfortable about it. Mm. Um, I haven't started catching buses yet. So, <laughs> but the point is for a while I drove – Not a, good enough. It's not good enough. Amanda. I'm, I'm very conscious. I don't know if it is good enough. I don't know at what point you have to – This is the other thing, right? You know, at what point is it – you know, is guilt a rubbish emotion? What are you going to do about it? So yeah. I can say, well, what do I do about it on a one-to-one basis? I certainly am very aware, as I say, and, and thankful of, of people who make my life better, um, who do menial jobs. I mean, I understand that they're, they're exactly the same. They've just had such a rough deal. Whereas yeah. perhaps before that, you do think lesser. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, sure. but there is tremendous guilt. Um, and I, I sometimes think even when you talk about your domestic worker, mm-hmm. I think you're more entitled than me. Like you didn't grow up in a system where you were privileged because of your race. Mm. Maybe you, it was a class privilege, but the race privilege does make me squirm. But for me, if the the outcome of that or the treatment is the same, then the entitlement or non-entitlement is, is kind of irrelevant. I think the treatment can be the same, but I think the outcome of the treatment can be different based on who it comes from. Okay. When you talk down to a person who doesn't have power, I think that is just... Such a hideous human quality, whether it is, you know, a beggar and not acknowledging them or if it is somebody who's a cleaner and walking past them like they don't exist. You know, it's such a lack of consciousness. Right. And that for me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. I just think there needs to be an awareness of another human being that they've got a mother and a father or they might not, but that they've got feelings. And that's what happens when you are part of a system. You forget about that. You forget your domestic worker is a woman. 
and I started getting my periods. I don't know if we can keep this on radio, but it happens. Um, <laughs> 12 or 13. It happens yes. regardless of whether Either. we keep it on radio. radio or not, it will still keep happening. <laughs> the ages get younger, but it will happen. <coughs> but, you know, it was things like not even thinking about sanitary towels mm. for domestic workers. It was just sort of domestic workers were there. And I think that's the horror of the then versus now, mm. being so aware of Felicia's got a life, you know, mm. and uh, I'm very aware of her life and I'm aware of the nuances mm. uh, in it. She'll always know more about mine. She spends her day in your space, in, in my space, mm. so she does. But I really know a lot and I care a lot about her. Mm. Um, if you're someone's PA, you always know a lot more about them than they know about you. Yeah. Right? Is so. that a similar thing or not? What you're saying, the PA will always know more about the boss. Yes. I suppose so. Is there so an injustice in that? Thing. But that's so different. How do you think it's different? No, and I'm literally think, just throwing it out. I think a lot of the personal is written out of that. You know, because they still like, like the, the work plays out in more public spaces than personal. And uh, there's... People are allowed more authority mm. in more of their private space. Okay. No. And so then that maybe is about assessing the power dynamic and how can we equalize it. But as a function of of the role, I don't think there's any inherent injustice. Mm. And I don't even think there needs to be an equalizing of power. Mm. I think there should just not be an exploitation of the power that exists. Mm. Mm. Because there will always be power, I think. Mm. There will, I think, the fact that you're paying somebody money yeah. and that their existence depends on that money. Yeah, mm. someone is allowed to expect of someone else. Yes. Actually, but it, vice versa, uh, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, I guess the transaction has to be fairer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you spoke about on one of your other shows, you spoke about actually it being more of a business contract, you know, that mm. you kind of know less about one another, but there's a, a contract in place and – there is um, R, not RP5, but there are pay slips mm. and there is um, medical aid. Mm. And the same as when you would go into uh, any place of employment, mm. um, but that you kind of take away from the personal relationship. And it's a very, it's a very interesting thing to debate. I found that a very mm. interesting thing because I'd be very interested if I said to Felicia, would you prefer that relationship even if I paid you more, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think there's mm. something very rich in our relationship mm. for both of us. Yeah. I just think that there's such an added dimension of caring for each other. Yeah. Of, of and being aware of another person's life, uh, deeply yeah. aware of. But at that. the same time, I think that can happen within a professional relationship, right? With within a relationship that is. That is structured. Yes, yes, that's mm. true. People have different relationships with their their bosses in very corporate environments. Some people, some PAs are closer to their bosses than others. You know, mm. for instance, mm. um, some consultants are closer to their clients than others. Mm. So I think that we, you know, that they need there can be varying degrees of of humanity within any relationship as long mm. as it is. A fair transaction. Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely right. At yeah. the basis, it needs to be a fair transaction. Okay. So, so we discussed the apartheid time. So let's mm. go to post uh, apartheid and mm. essentially democracy and freedom. Mm. Firstly, who was 
which domestic worker was in your home when that period happened, when freedom came? Funnily enough, I didn't have one. No, <laughs> I'd moved in with friends into uh, an apartment in Yeovil. How old were you? Uh, 20, in my 20s. I don't remember specifically. Mm-hmm. But I remember f- uh, uh, I, I lived quite a few years with friends in Yeovil. Um, and we didn't have a domestic worker. And I remember, you know, I remember uh, when Nelson Mandela was released and we all sat around watching him come out of prison together. How, how did you guys all feel? I mean, did you discuss it? We were amazed and thrilled. I mean, we were mm. we were the lefties at that stage. <laughs> we were beyond thrilled. It was just the most incredible moment. I remember then I was very friendly with a girl, Jennifer Ferguson. She She was a singer, like a protest singer. Mm. And for years she had been singing protest songs. And then, you know, then I was part of this whole protest. We used to, but mine was always more culturally. I used to go to the market theater and watch protest theater. Was a Albert at the, and all the Barney Simon shows at the market. And uh, look at David Goldblatt's photography. Uh, my friend at Varsity was actually uh, William Kentridge's sister, Eliza. And we were friends from Varsity. So I was in circles where we really were. Rooting for the overthrow. Um, Mm. And, you know, by then I really did understand the iniquities and I was thrilled with the change in government. So you didn't have have a domestic worker at that point? No. Okay. So I don't have an association with that. Mm. Did you have, did you still at that point have a relationship with any of them or? No. Had they kind of just moved on? Yeah. Mm. Okay. And then, so let's ask you hypothetically then. Um, how do you imagine the end of apartheid affected relationships white employers had with their domestic workers? That must have been mighty awkward. You know, I don't think that hugely besides a dollop more of guilt. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that there was still an awareness uh, of the dependency of of the job, of that these um, people still need a job. I, <laughs> I just think things things kind of carried on in a weird way. Uh, perhaps there was... Um, I suspect I that. I don't think there was a tremendous shift, mm. weirdly. Um, but, I mean, did you maybe see, like, madams and domestic workers voting together or... Not on a large scale, but I looked out for it only because you asked me. I looked... At this, when I went to vote now, and I went in a... Oh, yeah? And I did notice a couple more, and I just said to the person I was with, I said, please don't let the domestic worker get in the back. I'll throw myself. (laughs) 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 Thank God. Did she sit in the front? They both sat in the front. Thank goodness. That's progress. You have no idea how much that is progress. Now that I mention that, gosh, I remember how, how... the domestic worker would sit in the back. I mean, that is just bizarre. Mm. But, yes, yeah, so even at, at these elections, uh, and I did vote in a northern suburbs area, um, I noticed a small number of domestic worker, and I could see because they were in uniforms. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known the difference. Mm. Um, but I did notice and that. This is why mm. it's actually, I find it so appropriate to refer to this institution as it is, as a relic of a bygone era. Because even the fact, there is nothing you have said to me mm. about your experiences with your domestic worker mm. that I can't relate to. Mm. Having grown up 
in a black home with black parents with a domestic worker. Mm. And also having seen as an au pair in 2016. Mm. But I think that's why there's such turmoil right now because very little has changed. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts Mm. that there was this huge shift Mm. in 1994. In many ways, people's lives changed. My entire trajectory as a child who, what was I, five in 1994? Changed. Yeah. And... For some reason, life didn't change for, well, I mean, okay, we surmise that life didn't change much for the women working in white homes. Not only that, but the institution didn't change. So even the women who then started working for black homes were part of a similar institution. And a similar set of norms. That blows my mind. It's, just it's very interesting because certainly I've noticed a tremendous change in business and the economy. Mm. Um, uh, as you know, I did a comedy show, and I'm not trying to push it, but you're welcome no, to watch it. <laughs> That's but, great. Um, Do you want to plug? But, but actually, Do you want to plug? Plug it. Plug. Okay, no. So, but the thing <laughs> was, the, the original premise, and I changed the premise, but the original premise was, um, I'm 51. I'm white, and I'll do anything for a job. And I dropped the white part because there has been, there have been such a lot of racial issues, and I, I really would hate to be drawn into something like that when it's just so far from who I am. But, mm. but actually, I am am very aware now at 51, and my brother's 54, white male. Hmm? <laughs> it's not great, and our chances are a lot less mm. uh, than. A black person, one younger person, mm. getting a good job, and I think that's right. I think we had we had our luck, but I can feel in industry. Yes, Amanda, it's our time it's now. It's your time, baby. It <laughs> is your time. And our I'm time. Happy to hang on to your <laughs> oh coattails. But no, let me tell you. Joke. But but no, it's not, not a joke. It's absolutely <laughs> half not a joke. joke. It half is our time. Joke. Okay, well, I don't mean it in that tone. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Change it to a hot joke. We know. We know when we pitch for business in advertising industry for government business, skin color matters. There is a change, and quite rightly so. <laughs> and I have to say that so where things certainly have changed in industry, and in business, um, and in politics. Um, the domestic worker relationship is a bit of a relic because I don't see mm. tremendous change. I, I mean, you know about it if it's relevant to the show. Mm. But I've been trying so hard to get Sally, my temp mm. um, lady, work. Mm. Yeah. When I, f- when I hear what people want to pay, like she'll SMS me and she'll say, do you think 150 rand a day is fair, you mm. know? Mm. And when I hear stuff that, like, you could have been asking me 25 years ago, and I'd say, that's not great. Well, someone phoned me and she said uh, she saw my notice for Sally um, and she's just had a domestic work and she was so cheeky. Now, I remember that word cheeky. That was like the madam's worst. Oh, yes. wow. To have somebody cheeky, all it meant is that they probably just spoke up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but a word like cheeky for me is typifies mm. that sort of mm. power thing. Yeah. And you hear it in the workplace as well. Like, yeah, but yeah. women are often, I think, described yeah. in patriarchal yes. circles as being cheeky. Yeah. As being cheeky, yeah. But so, as I say, while I certainly have felt a big shift um, in terms of living in South Africa, mm. and I understand the shift, 
Um, I don't. I feel the domestic worker relationship hasn't changed significantly, besides um, more guilt, probably slightly improved standards, and a little more awareness. But that relationship certainly hasn't had a seismic shift as a lot of other things in the country have. I think certain relationships are just always going to be driven first and foremost by self-interest. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's like maybe one of those. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to expand. I and that was vague. That but was maybe I'll leave it at that. I don't know what. Because I don't. Because I. Don't, cause I so I sometimes know. maybe uh-huh. around the <laughs> I know, age I know, I'm sometimes I am, I'm very many things. I have. I, I, I <laughs> but but I do find it interesting though that um, it's the most personal of professional relationships, and it, you know so so it's both it both stands to give you professional and personal gain or loss mm. and yet has changed the least mm. and why do you think that is you know something that is you know such that straddles between both conditions why do you think it hasn't changed much um maybe because there there is a sense now there's a it's an interesting thing i think there's a sense of this is now that um now that it's a democratic society and everybody's got equal opportunities. People almost feel more entitled to maintain um, relationships, um, feeling that they're not racially based because it's like everybody's got a chance now and and have almost discounted history Mm. and have discounted um, that people have had less education, there's an there's an exploitativeness in that people are dependent. So mm-hmm. there's almost like, oh, well, at least I'm giving somebody work. But they wouldn't have work. So there's almost an ugliness. But that, that becomes equal to all South Africans because we've definitely said before that domestic workers are that rare third party that is common to all South Africans. Mm, mm. And that's really where I was trying to head with the wishy-washy self-interest <laughs> in all relationships, mm. yada, yada nonsense, was for me, a lot of systemic injustice is about the man with the biggest stick. Who has the biggest stick, mm. right? Mm. And so I see domestic work very much as a systemic injustice. But now that has suddenly become not as racialized as it was before, for, but like increasingly, I think, common to to all South Africans and increasingly a classist thing. Yeah, I, I think that there could be a lot of change still in that arena and a lot more it's awareness. And I think that because I've also spent more time with the two of you, I'm more conscious than ever about it. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. So that answers that question. <laughs> How your personal ideas on domestic work evolved over time and what have been the drivers of that process? Well, a huge thing is is being in my own home mm. um, as opposed to in my parents' home and being older. <laughs> mm. And also, as I said to you earlier, as crazy as it is, um, having uh, two little dogs that I am so close to and fond of and um, seeing that their well-being, you know, that somebody needs to take care of them and mm. walk, etc. It's 
it's made me a lot more dependent, I suppose. Why are you, um, why do you, I, I feel every now and again that you have a, you, a feeling of guilt about the dogs. At the same time, I know they are so genuinely dear to you. Uh, I think Jacob so Zuma would <laughs> model. So it's very, for... Like it's very strange to me because, okay, culturally, I didn't grow up mm. with animals, with close relationships with with pets, mm. right? Um, in my home, and then as I grew up and interacted with peers and went into their homes, I started to realize actually people can have these very close bonds with their pets, and now. I think that I genuinely believe and respect that somebody can feel about a pet the way that they would about a child. I do. Okay, look, I don't have kids, so I can't make that comparison, but I really love and adore those little dogs and respond in horror when they're sick and know, and care if they've been exercised. And I feel happy when I'm with them and feel very present when I go into the park with them. But I think what the where the guilt probably comes in is I'm aware how well treated they are, mm. and I'm aware how how a person who comes from a disadvantaged background, mm. which is usually what a domestic worker is, mm. could think, "Wow, I mean, these little dogs sleep in blankets on the couch. Um, they do eat heels, but they also eat biltong. We discussed that, <laughs> yes. which is a very expensive. It's expensive, mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and uh, most domestic workers, I don't know if mine could or couldn't or would put the money away, but it's a, it's an expensive thing to buy, and I give it to my dogs. Mm. And so there is that guilt, there's that awareness mm. of they actually aren't human beings, yeah. and human beings have a lot less than my dogs, and I think that's where the guilt comes in, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, some of, some of our domestic workers that we speak to, Tell us that the dog sits in front and she sits at the back, oh, and no, so in very many ways they are treated better. So it's not necessarily just that they're treated well; that they sometimes treated better yeah, in I relation think, I think to it's, them. I think it's 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 mm. the direct comparison, yeah. and I think it's also just the awareness that you have is incredibly important. I don't think you should feel any less about your dogs. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't think I can. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, I think it is important to be aware of that dynamic with, that potential dynamic with the domestic worker. I think that I'm not alone in that you try and improve your domestic worker circumstances by making things comfortable and giving presents and doing lovely things and Mm -hmm. uh, occasional Mm -hmm. gifts well, not occasional, birthdays are acknowledged and um, Christmas and uh, money towards kids, mm. schooling, etc. But But I think it comes down to that basic salary that mm. that is perhaps the issue of saying, actually, uh, you cannot have a domestic worker if you can't afford to pay X. Mm. Hmm. But then the argument could come in and say, oh, well, people then won't have work, you know. But I think that's a rubbish argument. It is a rubbish argument. No, that's my worst argument. Worst one? Like, just pay people a pittance because or else yeah. they will starve. They'd rather have something than nothing. Jeez. I mean, that's just... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so rubbish. It's uh, too rubbish um, for words. Okay. Yeah. So do you uh, think that your relationship with Felicia would be different if it was a man? Um, to an extent in that we often talk women stuff, like yeah. as moms and uh, 
and about men <laughs> in society. Um, I don't have a I don't have a husband or a male partner, so um, I'm a bit disconnected in a way. But um, lucky you. But yes. So, um, <laughs> but interestingly, when when Felicia's away, sometimes her brother comes to stay and look after the home, Patrick, and he's a wonderful, gentle energy and. Um, I don't feel any differently about Patrick in the home um, than Felicia. Um, he doesn't talk. He he doesn't talk English as well as she does. So there's less banter, um, mm. but I have equal comfort with him. I don't know if he spoke English very well, but I think a big bond with Felicia and I is that we are both women. Mm. Um, but it's not that. Patrick's got a, a lovely energy. He's he's got an easy energy. Would you feel less? Comfortable or safe in any way, purely because of the gender dynamic? Possibly a bit, and Patrick is particularly gentle. Um, okay. And so... So there is a gentleness that is required in this role, maybe? Yes. Yeah, yeah sure. The gentleness is what makes me feel comfortable. Sure, okay. Um, and, and black, white, Indian, it wouldn't matter. A male, yeah. a regular male in the home, yeah. I would be much more... Cautious or there immediately there is that mm. degree of inequality or fear or knowing that how strong a man is. I yeah. do have more comfort That's interesting with a female. Because it is actually mm. such a like because I guess we <laughs> we're asking that question around exploring ways in which this role can evolve. Um and how it can be deracialized, but also potentially um, degendered or gender neutralized mm, mm. would be an interesting thing, right? Mm. Um, for progress. And so I wonder if there are certain roles that can, can and should inherently only be performed by, by a man or a woman. And if this is one of them. Well, it's interesting because as I was saying, my mom seemed very happy growing up in her home. It was in the apartheid era, more so even, or not more so, it was what it was. But my mom grew up in a home where there were only men in the home, mm. the cooks and the cleaners, etc. And she seemed pretty comfortable with that. Mm. But certainly when you ask me that question, um, Patrick for me is an exception rather than the rule. I definitely feel more comfortable having a woman in my home mm. and in terms of her being a nurturer mm. and more empathic. And it does depend and, on her role, right? And even just things that, um, I know this is such a funny thing again, but it's like underwear mm, mm. or Do you think, personal stuff mm. that I would feel a bit peculiar. Like when Patrick's there, I make sure that I, uh, you know, that I, well, you can't keep it out of sight, but that it really is <laughs> completely my own business. Right. I know you discussed it yeah. should always be, but ugh, if a load of washing goes in, a load mm. of washing goes into me. I mean, mm. I don't think it's such a, big deal but it is a big deal if you're expecting a male to mm. wash and fold mm. so do you think less liberties would be taken with a male domestic worker and and like in terms of maybe cooking for the family and helping children with the homework and you know washing underwear those sort of things do you think there would be less requirements of a male domestic worker i think that um the only one thing that struck me was the kids and the homework, I think 
I don't know why I feel there's more female interaction, even when you talk about being an au pair. I think mm. that mm. parents are more comfortable having female caregivers to mm. their children. It somehow That's seems okay. to go it with the nurturing. On the but but not with cooking, I don't think, or cleaning. Yeah. Maybe mm. if one's being intimate with underwear, you'd think, oh, well, I don't want the male to be busy with my mm. bras and panties. But um, mm. I think the children is a different area, and I think that is because of the the nurturing that a, a woman offers. Not yeah. to say men can't, but it's just that, I think, is the the bigger criteria, perhaps. Okay. So have you ever visited Felicia at her home? No, I haven't. Um, she, I know she lives in Alex, uh, and I haven't been there. And um, she lives in Zimbabwe, and I've asked if I could go on a trip with her because I would love to go to mm. her home and meet her family and... Um, cool. She lives in a rural setup, mm. and I would really love that. But I haven't been to Alex where she. Is there a reason why? No, there isn't a specific reason. Um, I have been in the past to other. Uh, I went to Daisy's home, but I mean, then I was a lot younger. She lived mm. in Hammond's Crawl, but she lived on the premises. Did you go with your parents? I went parents? with my aunt to Hammond's Crawl. Okay. Um, and. Um, I've often, not often, often being generous to myself, I have certainly given um, the tea ladies lifts home if they've needed. Mm. Um, and I've visited their homes as well. Um, in Cape Town, um, the one lady came from Danoon and I, I went there and spent time with her. We just haven't set anything up. Mm. She hasn't invited me. But as I say, if she would say, <laughs> would I give her a lift home? And I've offered to. Or... Uh, I would do it. Um, she hasn't wanted that either. And maybe it's a pride thing on her, her part as well. Hmm. Mm. Would you ever ask her if you can pay her a visit? Yeah, I've asked her about Zimbabwe. I haven't asked her about Alex. Yeah, I mean, yeah, would you ask about Alex? Zimbabwe. Yes, I, will, I would ask her. Okay. I would definitely. And especially after speaking about it, I'm aware she has um, been part of my life. Zimbabwe for, is a commitment. <laughs> It is a commitment, but I would love that. She showed me pics. It looks great. It's incredible. She stays on a little, on a little small holding and has animals. And yeah. um, her mom sounds like the most amazing woman. I would love to have that experience. Mm. Um, and I've been to Alex, but I haven't been to her home. I think I would. Mm. Um, I'd feel very sad. I mean, I know. And I, I think of stuff, you know, every night when I lie in my bath and I think how privileged I am. And I add more water. More And then I have a second plate of food. I just really do feel beyond privileged. Um, is there is there value in you having this discussion for us? Not for domestic workers, not for the space, but for yourself. It's tremendously healing. And it just takes another layer off. It makes me have to think that little bit harder. Only coming into the studio and being asked certain questions has made me probe even deeper. Yeah. You just realize how deep this stuff is. Yeah. And I'm tremendously grateful to, ha to have the opportunity in a safe space with the two of you to really be honest in a way that makes me feel awkward at times. That, you know. Well, we're glad you feel safe because we definitely want to make it safe for everyone. Yeah. But it does. It really does feel safe, and I think that that is important because I think for a lot of people it does go with a tremendous amount of guilt and shame and wanting to make things better. Um, but 
if you are perhaps threatening uh, or blaming, mm. um, one's reaction is to say, ach, you know, those radical <laughs> women <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> thanks very much. I don't need this. Um, but I think the fact that you do it in such a soft, gentle, probing, interesting way um, it starts a dialogue, and that's all we can have. And on a final note, um, if you could go back and say one thing to Daisy as an adult, what would it be? I'd say, Daisy, thank you for enriching my life and making me feel safe. And I've said me twice because it was all about me. And I'm sorry it wasn't more about you. And thank you for Aww. everything. Oh, jeez. Mm. Um, okay. Thank you again. I think I've already said <laughs> everything I have to say mm. about uh, about you. And you really were, I mean, you know, we want to start exploring um, the journeys that different South Africans have had with this institution. Mm. Um, like I said, as a probe into who we are as South Africans, I think it's brilliant. Um, and we've just gotten to know you as a human being so well, just through discussing this space, you know, this one role, and that's really the power of this role mm. um, that we're trying to to showcase. It it really it it, it is such a mirror mm. to to ourselves and 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 to our society, and also just a mirror. I think in terms of our our relationships, our interactions with one another, and yes, like this has just been fantastic. Um, thank you. Do you have any final final words? No, I just want to say what is also uh, very incredible about the show is that it's very <laughs> easy when you are dealing with politics to have strong feelings. That that feelings is even the wrong word. It's kind of like ego mm. uh, in terms of what you feel about different parties and things. I think the the amazingness is this does tap into. Very, very real stuff. And I think that the only time there is change and shift is when it does become personal. Um, and mm. it's not about um, manifestos and policies and mm. uh, blanket statements around people when you actually probe something on a very personal level that you can then make it. You can broaden it, but rather start with a personal rather than starting with a political, if that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. Um, that's my school of thought. Um, I'm very much human first. But I know that doesn't always change the world and bras needed to be burnt on a mass scale <laughs> and uprisings. No, I mean, yeah, look. That's, um, that's me. There's mm, various means. There's yeah. various <laughs> means. There's various <laughs> means. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us on the Mate Sessions with Cliff Central. Please make sure to follow our Twitter page on at Made Project, that's M-A-I-D-E Project, as well as our Facebook page, which is The Made Sessions. And if you type in Made Project, you'll also find it. <laughs> Have a good evening, guys. Cheers. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.